Welcome to the City View Community Church Podcast. Whether you're here for our weekly sermons, leadership chats, or conversations about life, we are stoked that you are here. If you want to know more of our story or want to partner with us, head over to cityviewcc.com. Our prayer today is that you walk away challenged, encouraged, and more passionate about discovering your purpose by knowing God, loving people, and living on mission. Let's jump right in. Well, welcome back to part two of our Masterpiece in Progress series. And last week, we talked about this idea that the masterpiece that God calls us is not something external, but it's actually something internal. That God, in all of his power, all of his authority, all of his might, where he wants to empower us is actually from the inside out. That the masterpiece in progress actually begins with the development of our heart. And so this week, I want to talk to you about something maybe you haven't thought about in a really long time, and it's progressing your maturity. And some of you immediately, you're like, oh, oh, maturity? All good. This message is for my kids. I'm out on this. This message is for my brother-in-law. This this message is for my, my spouse. Hopefully they're listening. But for me, Man, I've aged like a fine wine. I am all good in the maturity area. And the reality is, maybe you have. Maybe you're the most mature person in your family, in your workplace. And if that's you, that's awesome. But this week, our litmus test is not going to be based off of our opinion of what maturity is, but actually from the writings of Paul's letter to the Ephesian church. We're going to see what he considers maturity and what a mature life actually looks like. And my feeling is that you and I will find something in here where we could probably grow up a little bit more than we realize. But as we jump in today, we all have that one friend or probably an acquaintance that we know that just refuses to grow up. I always think about that that dude that just cannot understand the concept that like you age out of certain scenes. Like there's just some places at a certain age, you just don't need to be there anymore. It's just, it's just weird. It's like, it's time to move on. Right. And, and it's, it's maybe that person where you're like, Hey, Hey bro, what, what did you do on this weekend? I'm, I'm throwing some ribs on the grill. I'm going to have some friends over. Love for you to come. It's like, Oh man, I don't know how I'm going to be feeling, you know, Friday and Saturday night, I'll be at the club and just see where life takes me. It's like, bro, you're 41 years old. You've aged out of the clubbing season. Like, what are you doing with your life, right? We all have that person in our lives. And my hope is that's not you. Like, if you're 41, it's time. It's just time to stop, right? Okay. But we all have that person in our lives. And it's just like, will you ever grow up? Lauren and I, a couple months ago for date night, we realized that we have We've aged out of going to PB at night. For those of you who are watching outside of San Diego, PB is, is short for Pacific Beach. And it's, it's kind of a college scene. But the reason why we're going is because somebody told us about this, like, this restaurant that they fry everything in like duck fat. And it's like duck fat fried French fries. And it was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And wings. And so we're like, well, let's go check it out. And it was fantastic, by the way. But we went at our like old people hour of eating dinner at 530. Right. Like 
you, you people that eat at like seven and eight, nine o'clock at night, I don't, I don't understand. At four fifty nine, I'm like, where the food at? Like it's time to go. Like I will cook. Let's let's. It's time to eat. And so we're wrapping up dinner at our old people hour, and we started to notice the demographic of people coming in to the restaurant was a lot different than the ones that were sitting with us at five thirty. And it's like, man, what, what's going on here? And as we started to follow them on Instagram, we realized that they're not really advertising their duck fat fries. They, they were advertising some other stuff with, for the party scene that was going to happen later on. So we were, we were leaving at just kind of the right time. And we grabbed some dessert in town and, and got better buzz, coffee. And we're just sitting there and and we're talking as the night's going on. It's it's starting to get to a point in PB where, I, like, I can't even look anywhere anywhere, right? It's just, I'm like, I'm kind of like talking with Lauren like this. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Just, I'm going to just drink my coffee, eat my little ice cream. I'm not looking anywhere, babe, right? Because I'm just trying to stay out of trouble, man. Just trying to stay out of trouble. I'm not trying to get some. And all of the college people were there and they were ready to party and they were dressed accordingly. And... The, the cherry on top of the whole thing was we're sitting there at Better Buzz. We look across the street at this barbershop. And I mean, the barbershop's just like pumping some music. And it's like, okay, whatever. No big deal. This guy is sitting in the chair getting his hair cut. And who we're assuming is his girlfriend. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. She's like dancing in front of him. It's like, oh, okay, that's kind of weird. Then we look back, she's dancing on top of him. It's like, the man's just trying to get a lining. Like, what kind of barbershop is this? What's going on here? You know what? At that moment, I made the decision. I have aged out of PB, okay? When the sun goes down there, I have no business being there. It's just, it's just, there's no good. There's no good for me to be there after the sun goes down. And this is, this is what I'm talking about. There's certain times we have to understand we've aged out of either certain scenes or hopefully for some of you, you'll catch certain behaviors and certain mindsets and certain ways that we handle situations. The, the point is this, that growing old is unavoidable, but growing up is a choice. Look, we, we have no choice. We're getting old by the second. Every second we're getting older, every minute, every month, every year, we cannot help but get older. But growing up, maturing, that's an absolute decision. And we have to understand that the assumption that we're just going to mature as we get older is a false assumption. Just like anything else in life, in order for something to grow, it requires intentionality. It requires vision. It requires effort. So as we jump back into the letter to the Ephesian church, Paul is, is, starts to lay out that the byproduct of a life that is centered in God's love, the byproduct of what we talked about last week, when, when we allow our identity to be grounded in God's love, that the overflow of that security, that understanding, that hope is maturity. So he says this in Ephesians 4, and, and I, love, I love how the Passion Translation unpacks it. So we're going to read it from there. Verse 14, it says, And then our immaturity will end. We will not be easily shaken by trouble, 
nor led astray by novel teachings or by the false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. But instead, we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him, the anointed head of his body, the church. For his body, us, has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. And every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. And as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. The New Living Translation says, we won't be like immature children, right? I would say it this way, that the mature life is evidenced by the ability to be unoffendable. That is literally my favorite word in the English language. Unoffendable. That, that is our goal. That is our effort in life. I love how Proverbs 19 says, it says, good sense makes one slow to anger and his glory is to overlook an offense. And guys, this is, this is so countercultural in our society because our society is telling us always Look for an offense. Someone is trying to offend you. Someone is trying to step on your toes. Someone is trying to upset you. They are actively wanting you to take offense. But Paul says your immaturity will end when you get to this place where you understand that I don't need to be offended by everything under the sun. We, we get to this place where it's like, well, they, they said something we didn't like, or they didn't respond how we wanted, or they ignored me, or they overlooked me, or they didn't pick me. And it's this challenge to us. One of the fastest ways to see how you're doing in this area of being unoffendable is to go back to English class and ask yourself, who is the subject of my complaints? Like we're working with Brooklyn now. She's doing the subjects and the predicates and the verbs and doing all these and circle one and underline the other. And once you circle the subject of your complaints, does it sound like, well, they did. Well, she didn't. Well, he should have. You see who the subject is? The subject is always out there. Maturity says, well, I could have, I should have, I'll work on, and we navigate things. And, and within ourselves, we make the choice. Am I going to allow someone else's behavior to dictate and control my emotions, my thoughts, and more importantly, my behavior? You see, what happens is by continually choosing to be offended, it removes the need for growth from you and it puts all the blame on them. We have to understand if you live this life constantly looking for an offense, it's going to stunt your growth. If you're constantly at the center of some kind of tension, it's time to evaluate you. I love you, but it's time to evaluate you. 
Paul says that maturity remains strong and sincere in our love, even as we deliver the truth, even as we talk through things that are hard and complicated and and tension-filled, that even in all of that, our sincere love, our sincere care, our maturity shows itself when we navigate. And he'll, he'll go even further to say this, that the mature life is evidenced by our affirming of others, our affirming of others. Maturity understands that we're all created in his image. And as a part of that, we're all created to, to help one another grow. When he's talking about the body, he's like these different gifts and these different parts, they work together so that the whole will have unity and it will have growth, that we're helping each other. As we mature, we, we're like candles who are not only lit to, to provide light for ourselves, but we're candles who were meant to light the other people in our lives, that we help illuminate what God has placed in them, that our light helps them grow theirs. That's why we're called this body of Christ, this body of believers, to work together in unity affirming one another, encouraging one another, impacting one another in a way that is healthy. When we see that our desire can't only be for us to have success, for us to have progress, for us to have purpose, but that part of our purpose is to help others. Jesus said it, greatest commandment, love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and just like it, Love your neighbor as yourself. Why did Jesus put those together? Because it isn't just about the vertical relationship with God. But that vertical relationship should impact the horizontal relationship between you and I. It's so important for us. He continues in verse 17. So with the wisdom given to me from the Lord, I say this. You should not live like the unbelievers around you who walk with their empty delusions. Their corrupted logic has been clouded because their hearts are so far from God. Their blinded understanding and deep-seated moral darkness keeps them from the true knowledge of God. Because of the spiritual apathy, they surrender their lives to lewdness, impurity, and sexual obsession. But this is not the way of life that Christ has unfolded within you. If you have really experienced the anointed one and you've heard his truth, it will be seen in your life. For we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. And he has taught you to let go of the lifestyles of the ancient man, the old self-life, which was corrupted by sinful and deceitful desires that spring from delusions. Now it's time to be made new by every revelation that's been given to you. And to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within you as your new life and live in union with him. For God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness. And you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. This is so much here, but it, let me just help you. Right, right now I'm, I'm reading this book from a, a Harvard business social scientist. He's actually a believer as well. And it's, it's really interesting. And his whole goal behind the book is to speak to strivers, as he calls them. Those type A, those driven, those people who want to accomplish something. They, they don't sleep at night because they're, 
they're driven, they're trying to accomplish things, they're striving for success and impact and influence and greatness. And it's speaking right to me and my personality, this driven person. And it's, it's talking about how you find success in the second phase of life as you're getting older and you're like, Danny, you're not, what, what are you doing? It's like, I, I don't, I know I'm not old yet, but it's preparation and it's actually helping me a lot. It's, it's really fascinating. But he tells this really interesting story. He goes to the National Palace Museum in Taiwan. And it's this massive place. So what he decides to do is he hires a, a guide, a, a, someone to help him as he's going through to look at some key pieces. And they stopped at this massive sculpture, this beautiful sculpture that was carved out of this, this beautiful jade stone. And he asks the guide, well, why is this so significant? Like, what's this is beautiful, obviously, but what's the significance of this? And the guide starts to paint this really interesting picture. He said, let me ask you a question. If I were to, to ask you, um, imagine a beautiful masterpiece that has not been started yet. It, it's going to happen, but the starting point, what do you picture in your mind of the starting point of that masterpiece. And he says, well, I, I mean, I don't know, I guess a, a blank empty canvas that someone's gonna paint on. And the guide smiled and he said, exactly. You see, there's a massive difference between the Western culture and the Eastern culture. And he says, you as a Westerner, you imagine that, that art is it has to be created from nothing, that you're just adding things to it to make it a masterpiece. But in the Eastern culture, for us Easterners, we see what's already there and we realize that our responsibility is that the, the art already exists. We're just removing the pieces from it that's hiding the art behind it. He says, it's not visible, visible because we add parts to it. It's visible because we do the work to remove the things blocking the art within. And it's this fascinating thing that, that our society, especially here in America, it compels us to believe that we have to add more in order for us to have the masterpiece. But this guide unlocked this understanding that sometimes the art is found by what we remove, not what we add. And Paul would, would back up that mindset and say that the mature life is evidenced by the ability to be content in all situations. The mature life is the ability to be content in any and every situation. And man, this one's hard for me. I, I just gotta be, I gotta be real with you. This one's hard. But maturity is the ability to, to have both an eye to the future, but your feet grounded in the present. To have eyes to the future, what could be, but be grounded and content and joyful in the present, not consumed with what's coming ahead. This is such a challenge for me. This is a challenge for me as a, as a leader. It's a challenge for me as, as a man. It's, 
It's a challenge for me as a striver, as this book would describe. And Paul modeled for us this ability to be content no matter what was happening in his life. Whether he was sailing on a mission strip, whether he was stranded on a deserted island, whether he was beaten and bruised in jail, his faith and his focus never wavered. The maturity that he showed is so inspiring. You see, in life, some people are thermometers, and all they can do is register what's around them. They can just mirror what's going on around them. You see, if the situation is like tight and and pressurized, well, then they're going to register tension and irritability. If what's going on around them is stormy, then what they're going to register is worry and fear. But if the, the situation around them is calm and it's quiet and it's comfortable, then they will register relaxation and peacefulness. They're thermometers. All they can do is show you what's happening in the atmosphere. But then there are those mature people who are able to not be thermometers, but they're able to be thermostats. And they don't just register the temperature, they regulate it. They change the atmosphere. They see what's happening around them. They don't allow it to change them, but they instead change it. And the only way you're able to do that is to be able to be content and focused and faithful, whether the season is beautiful and sunny, whether it's stormy or rainy, whether it's confusing, whether the wind is whipping, whether it's freezing cold, whether you have plenty, whether you have little, whether you... Paul shows us this. He was a a thermostat kind of guy. He was a thermostat kind of leader. And he would teach us that in order for this to happen, it's an internal disposition. It's what's happening, here we go again, within us that allows us to be content in all situations. We don't need success. We don't need money. We don't need possessions in order to be happy, to be joyful, to be grounded. True contentment comes from within He would also challenge us by saying that the mature life is evidenced by having a sound mind, a sound mind. Listen to the words that he describes. That's the opposite of having a sound mind. Empty delusions, corrupted logic, hearts distant from God, blinded knowledge, moral darkness. But the one that stands out for me is spiritual apathy. That's an important Two words, spiritual apathy. Listen, how can we say that we love the Lord when we're satisfied living large chunks of our life without him? Well, Danny, I I thought he's always present. He is, but do you involve him? Or are there large stretches of time in your faith journey that you're you're not really concerned with his presence? You're not really concerned about his guidance. You're not really concerned about his direction. 
that you call on him when things go crazy, but when things are just a normal Wednesday, God's not involved. When there's long stretches of our faith journey where God is not this consistent pursuit, this desire of our heart, spiritual apathy follows. Such a challenging phrase. The truth is that we cannot expect to have a sound mind without consistent time in his presence. You cannot give what you have not received. And so many times you're trying to pour out of this spiritual bucket in your life, but it's empty because you haven't had time with the Lord. Your proximity to him is directly connected to the health of your thought life. It it impacts your filters and it impacts your focus. It impacts your internal soundtracks and it impacts your perspective. If we want to have a sound mind, it starts in the presence of God. And it leads us to the final piece of the maturity puzzle. Ephesians 4, 26, 32. But don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to sin. Don't let anger control you or be fuel for revenge, not even for a day. Don't give the slanderous accuser, the devil, an opportunity to manipulate you. Verse 29, and never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth, but instead let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. Verse 31, lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, and insults, but instead be kind and affectionate toward one another. And he asks this powerful question. Has God graciously forgiven you? Yes. Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ. Paul makes it clear. The mature life is evidenced by the ability to forgive and fight for unity. Forgive and fight for unity. Ask yourself on a daily basis, are my words a beautiful gift to the people in my life? Another way to think about this, after spending time with you, do people feel drained or do they feel deposited into? Well, Danny, come like, come on. Like, this sounds like I've always got to be on. I've always got to be at my best. It, it sounds like I can't ever have a bad day. I've got to be a gift to everyone and encourage everyone. And, and I don't ever get to just let down my guard. No, 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 no. What I take from this is that it it means that even at your worst, at your worst, you can fight for unity. And when they are at their worst, you can offer forgiveness. See, that, that changes everything. When you're at your worst, when you're struggling, when you're, you're in a dark place, when you've had long, a long season, at your worst, you can decide 
I will still fight for unity, even when I'm weak, even when I'm struggling, even when I don't feel my best. I'll fight for unity. And when you are at your worst, I will offer you forgiveness. I won't offer you words of revenge and anger and insults. Paul gives us this roadmap, eliminate bitter words and eliminate temper tantrums and and revenge and profanity and insults. He said, drop those things. It's just pushing you away from the maturity that's there. The maturity isn't when you're winning. It, listen, it shouldn't be hard to be mature when you're winning. It shouldn't be hard to be mature when you're, when you're at your best. The challenge is when you are at your worst, at your weakest. That's when your maturity shows up. Your ability to fight for unity, fight for trust and offer forgiveness. You see, it's his last truth. You can choose the hard right over the easy wrong by, this is an important word, pre-deciding, pre-deciding how you will handle those moments when you are at your worst. That's a lot. That's a lot to unpack. Choosing the hard right over the easy wrong looks like pre-deciding how you're going to handle situations when you're at your worst. It shouldn't be that hard to figure out how you're going to handle things when you're at your best or when you're, you're just kind of mediocre and, okay, you can just kind of handle some situations. When you're at your worst, pre-decide how you're going to, when your temper starts to rise, when their, when their words to you makes you want to kind of take that that punch back, that little jab back of revenge and point out all the things that they do wrong and take the attention off of you and put the attention back on them. When you want to highlight their flaws, when you want to highlight everything that's wrong, before you get to that moment, you can pre-decide. Hey, when I'm at my worst, this is how I need to handle this. I'm going to I'm going to say, I'm going to walk away. Give me 10 minutes. I'm going to go in 10 minutes. Don't just go and walk in the room and just sit there. Do a, do a breathing exercise. Pray. Ask God for wisdom. It isn't just, oh, okay, I need 10 minutes to just get myself together. And you're just up there just raging all on your own. No. Predecide how you're going to handle when you're overly angry. Predecide how you're going to handle when you're overly tired. Predecide how you're going to handle when you feel insecure. Predecide how you're going to handle when your fears are overriding and your anxiety is overwhelming. Predecide how you're going to handle those situations, and the Lord will give you clarity on how to do it. Maturity is the ability to handle ourselves at our worst and still be an influence for the better. It's possible to be. But here's the exciting part. Knowing so many of you, you're probably crushing it in a few of these. You're probably doing absolutely amazing in a couple of these. And you should celebrate that. You should 
just own that. Hey, you know what? I have matured. I've grown a lot. My faith journey, my spiritual walk, my connection with God, my interactions with people. I'm actually doing pretty good in this one. But in the ones that need some work, follow Paul's guidance. Bring those areas to the Lord in prayer. Simply saying, hey, God, I'm, I'm struggling. Hey, I'm, I'm struggling in being unoffendable. I'm easily triggered. God, would you help me? God, I'm, I'm struggling in affirming others. I feel like I wish I had some affirmation coming back my way, so it's, it's hard for me to affirm others. God, I'm struggling being content, having my feet grounded in the present and not being overwhelmed by the future. God, I'm, I'm struggling in having a sound mind. God, I'm struggling forgiving people in my lives and in life and finding unity and fighting for unity. God, would you help me? Would you bring clarity to me and help me see where I can grow? It's a simple prayer that God will meet, God will answer, and God will give direction. Growing old is unavoidable. Growing up is an intentional, purposeful choice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Paul's words. Thank you for the challenge. And Lord, for, for so many of us, there's, there's been so much growth. There's maturity that's happening. We're deepening ourselves in you. We're finding our identity in you. There's, there's so much that's happening. And so I, I celebrate those things, God. Like we don't, we don't take enough time in our lives to celebrate. For my friends who are watching this that say, hey, man, like three out of those, four out of those, I feel like I'm doing really well. God, thank you. Thank you for the growth. Thank you for the maturity. Thank you for the ability to, to handle life in a way that is not only impactful, but it honors you. But God, I pray for all of us, because I know for me, there's one or two that I definitely need some growth and some maturing in, some ways that I, I need to lean on you more than I, than I ever have. So God, in those, those areas, would you just reveal to us how we can take that step, that we look back at Paul's words, we would follow his guidance, we would pre-decide how we're going to handle things when we're at our worst, that we're going to choose to be unoffendable, that we're, we're going to affirm others, we're going to be content in the season that we are, not complacent, but content in what you're doing, seeing your blessings around us, God, that you would Help us have a sound mind that we're not tossed like the winds and the waves, but that we are steadfast and focused on you. And Jesus, in all of this, we pray that as we mature, we would find those people around us that we could grow and inspire and see the masterpiece that's within them and help illuminate it with the light that you've put into our lives. Help us be focused, not just on our own growth, not just on our own success, but on the growth and the maturity and the success of the people around us. 
that as we love you, that we would love them well. We pray all of this in your name. Amen.